Welcome to the Oral Report, the sexual exploration podcast that goes beyond sex ed, where we share, advise, and make the world a better place. One orgasm at a time. So, um, we told you guys that we were going to cool it with the Caitlins, and we have not. <laughs> so, today we have Caitlin Neal. Um, Andra was not able to make it, so it's going to be Caitlin and Caitlin. So, hi. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, I guess you are a sex, sex coach. Yes. Sex and relationship coach. Okay. So, if a sex therapist takes people who are ill and helps them to get well, uh-huh. I take people who are well and help them to become amazing. Awesome. I like that. That's a very good like explanation. Um, so, I guess... We can go back to, how did you get into this? It's <laughs> a great question. I was really fortunate in that I always knew that this is what I wanted to do. I didn't always have the words. I didn't find the word coach until just a few years ago. Yeah. But I always knew that I wanted to help people have better sex. Um, I was like that kid who was totally obsessed with the adult section of the bookstore. Yes. Um, I joked remember when Facebook, you had to have a uh, .edu email address to get Facebook. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, as soon as I got one, I went online. I started a Facebook account. I put sexologist yeah. as my major. I, I love that. I had no idea. Like, I did not know that any of the things that I do now today existed. I just always knew that that was my mission. Right. So have you just kind of like, as you've grown and, you know, educated yourselves and everything, have you just sort of found that this exists and you're like, oh shit, (laughs) I can do what I want to do. Yeah, kind of. It took me a long time to get here. Mm -hmm. I think when I started, I was going to take this hardcore science Mm -hmm. uh, route, Mm -hmm. right? So I went to grad school for public health. Um, I was almost to getting my doctorate in public health. And I did these studies on sexuality and sexual health and well-being. Yeah. And I was, it was very, like, easy to package, Uh right? Because you're a researcher. I was a policy analyst. Um, It was very clean. Yeah. But it wasn't what I ultimately wanted to do. What I wanted to do is actually work more in the nitty-gritty of working one-on-one with people about their actual problems instead of working on, like, a population level about, you know, the prevalence of an STI, which is... Really important work. Yeah, absolutely. Just for me, I wanted to do something that was a little bit more one-on-one. Yeah. Uh, so it took me until I was, you know, 27 to recognize that. Nice. And then I, I had to do some, like, searching, right? Because yeah. I realized that I had gone down this path because I thought that it was really acceptable. Mm-hmm. And I had to come up with what actually was right for me. And as yeah. soon as I locked into that, I found a team of people. I found the word coach. Mm-hmm. Um as opposed to therapist or something like that, which never made sense to me. It wasn't what I wanted to do. Right. And then it was like everything clicked into place, and I've been coaching ever since. Have you ever been interested in the therapy aspect of it? Definitely. Yeah. It's something that intrigues me. Um, after going through so much graduate school and learning all the things that I already <laughs> yeah. have, the other nice thing about coaching is that I don't have to stick to any one modality. I don't, I'm not governed by a board. You're not locked um, in, basically. I'm not locked in, exactly. And like... You know, I don't take insurance, so I'm not stuck by Mm -hmm. any of the rules and regulations of the insurance industry. It has its ups and downs, Mm -hmm. um, but I like coaching a lot because I have anything I want to use is at my disposal. That's awesome. So when you say that, what do you mean? Like, what are some examples of things that you use? 
like in your coaching? Sure. So I use everything from evidence-based practices mm-hmm. to guided meditations and visualizations. Got it. Um, okay. I can suggest someone go to, I mean, not that a therapist couldn't, I suppose, but I, you know, I've had opportunities to, um, you know, recommend clients to go to a sex shop and I guess a therapist could do that. Let me think a little bit more concretely about what's special about what I can do. Well, I like also that like you aren't restricted, you know, by, cause if you're a therapist, you, you know, have to fall under a certain like ethical guidelines and not that you wouldn't be ethical, but I feel like you just have a little bit more freedom to like play around with what's going to work for your specific you know, person that you're working with. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I can do a mixture of online, over the phone, in person. I have an office here in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So I can meet people, you know, with where they are, really. Yeah. Um, when I started, I didn't have an office. I wasn't tra- I wasn't even charging, really. I was just kind of figuring out if this is what I wanted to do. Yeah. And I would have people meet me at Soho House. I took a client out and taught him how to, like, buy a drink for someone at a bar. That is amazing because I've always... Okay, so back in college... In Austin, um, do you remember that show, The Pickup Artist? Yes. Okay, so that was filming in Austin when I was in college, and so we would see these guys out, and we'd always be like, "Oh my God! Oh no, they're gonna come like <laughs> and hit on us!" And it would make me so nervous. But then I also thought, I was like, "Okay, well, what would my advice be to a to a guy? Like, how do you speak to a woman?" And like, I honestly came up blank. Like, how long did it take you to like figure out? How, you know, because, like, I know you you work a lot with men, mm-hmm. and especially with, like, erectile dysfunction and premature ejaculation. So, like, how did you master the men's world? Oh, my gosh. Well, when I started, I wanted, I said I was going to be a dating coach. Okay. Because, again, it was just so much more approachable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I it thought, is, I mean, yeah. I'll tell my in-laws I'm a dating coach. No one can be against <laughs> yeah. a dating coach. No one will, like... Right. weird about that. Exactly. Like, everybody's got a date. Right. Yeah. Ironically, the opposite is way more true. Everyone has sex. Not mm-hmm. everybody dates. Um, exactly. But I found that dating was actually super hard, which yes. will be a surprise to no one. Like, well, yeah. dating is yeah. hard. Um, and for, like, those clients, they were so... They needed such basic skills. Mm-hmm. Um, I would take them out, and we would just kind of people watch, right? And we'd see a couple together, and I would ask them questions like, "How long do you think they've been together? What do you think is their relationship? Do you think that they're dating? Do you think you know?" And yeah. just helping them to interpret body language and how people were even interacting. Brilliant. That was where I started, mm-hmm. and then of course, like more of those concrete skills. But as much as I have, I have some my own qualms with pickup artistry, I actually think that some of the things that they teach are pretty useful techniques for men who are especially shy um, or need a kind of structure to work within, right? Because otherwise you're just staring into the void. But if you say you go to a woman, you follow this step, this step, and this step, you read her response correctly instead of continuing to push forward. If her response is a no, then you go on to the next one. And things like the abundance mentality from pickup artistry, that there's always... that? That there... there's, there's always more efficiency. There's always more efficiency, essentially. Okay. Yeah, that this, you don't have to put all your eggs in like this basket. There's I, one girl. Yeah, that, I know. That you're um, to do. Right, exactly. Like, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Right. Move on. It's right. It's not there's like a personal. Plenty more, and yeah. that way, it's no rejection really matters, right? Because right? you can go get rejected a hundred times, yeah. and there will always be the possibility yeah. uh, for making a connection the right. next time you approach someone. That's smart. I know um, somebody who works for one of those like higher end. Um, 
uh, matchmaking mm-hmm. services, or whatever, and she always tells her clients, "There's a lid for every pot." Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> Which I love. Another I thing I like from pickup artists is. Um, the, uh, the, uh, a rule of action, mm-hmm. uh, which is usually stated as three, two, one, move. Okay. So if you see someone that you're interested in, mm-hmm. you do not hesitate. You don't think about it because you'll come up with a bunch of reasons not to do it. Right. So you do it three, two, one, and then you just take a step. Right. You don't try to think about what you're gonna say. Don't don't get too wrapped up. Yeah. When you get there, you will figure it out. And I give that advice to my clients all the time when they're having trouble with you know uh, sexually approaching their partner. Right. Right. To not think about it too much. To overthink it. Right. Yeah. If you've already had this conversation, you mm-hmm. know that both of you want to have more intimacy and like you're within a relationship where this is consensual. Right. Then once you have that thought just act on it and trust them that they can um that they will respond and turn right and yeah so i have a lot of clients who have trouble like approaching their partners too uh well yeah i mean like as open as i am i find that i still have communication issues within my relationships i own my own sex shop and i still have communication issues yeah i don't know what it is but it's just like Sometimes you like go to say something and it's just like, eh, and he like just don't. But I like the three, two, one method. Yeah. I'm actually going to use that in Vegas because I'm going to be there by myself and I'm a little intimidated. There you go. And I need to make connections. It's mostly business, so I'm not not going to pick people up. But, but still, still. <laughs> hey, rejection is one of the hardest things that a human being can feel, right? Because it yeah. harkens back to a time when we relied on being part of a tribe. Right. And if you were rejected then, it meant certain death. Oh, God. Right? Yeah. Like you were going to face the whole world and the wolves and the winters and everything alone if you weren't yeah. part of a group of people. And that's why rejection hurts. It's not just like intellectually. I know that there's plenty more fish in the sea, plenty more right. business associates, plenty more potential sex partners. But that sting is deeper. And I think that's why so many people are so deeply afraid of it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and it also, because um, like Andrew and I talk about our, our own personal issues on here all the time. And so I've talked about my anxiety. And like that was anxiety and then that fear combined are like mm. crippling. Yeah. So at least I've like helped take care of the anxiety now. But yeah, it's still, I mean... It, it, you really got to work up to being able to approach things like openly like that. And, yeah. Do you have uh, any advice for anxiety? Because I am experiencing anxiety like oh, you I've are? never experienced it before. Like I feel like I'm going through finals week right now. Oh, in, God. In my own personal life, though. Well, yeah, right. right. <laughs> um, well, I'm medicated. <laughs> so I got to say that helps oh, wonderfully. But I do, um, my therapist or psych. Who is it? Who can do meds? A psychiatrist. Psychiatrist. I can never get it right. Psychiatrist. My psychiatrist is wonderful. And so he, um, you know, will really break down all aspects of your life and try and kind of pinpoint, like, okay, are you doing, you know, do you have certain behaviors that are contributing to the anxiety, mm-hmm. such as, like, how does your body react to caffeine? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like sleep patterns, who you hang out with. Um, I guess like even diet, things like that, and just making sure that you're not adding to the anxiety. And then he also uh, makes sure that, well, he asks, are you open to medicine? Mm -hmm. If not, we'll go the natural route. And I was like, give me the meds. (laughs) I like that. It's only a very holistic approach. It is. It's really nice. Yeah. And that's actually a big part of his practice, which is wonderful because a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to be on meds. I'm like, that's fine. You can still find help. Yeah. Without medication. 100%. You know, that's not a reason to not 
take care of your issues. And I think that's a lot of people who suffer from, you know, depression or any sort of mental health issue is they're like, I don't want to be medicated. That's fine. Find some, find a doctor who is open right. to you not being medicated. Or if you're, if you're not to the point where you need medication, right. consider working with a coach or yes. consider, you know, for me, I, um, a, lot, a lot of people that come to me have had some experience with uh, SSRIs or other anti-anxiety, antidepressant drugs. And mm. for men, those oh. can be real libido killers. It's they a libido killer in me. They can prevent you from reaching orgasm. Mm-hmm. Right. So sometimes they'll... Well, you not know, that. I can reach orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. Right? You'd be like, get rid of these meds. Oh my God, I would get rid of them I, so Yeah, fast. no, there's no choice. If no it's choice. orgasm or medication... I'll take anxiety with orgasms any day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think also, like, without meds the biggest thing with anxiety is just kind of reminding yourself like this too shall pass Mm -hmm. and um riding the emotional wave yeah and then what what he said um is he was like these meds aren't going to completely get rid of your anxiety it just gives you a better grasp on it so Mm -hmm. before when you can like feel anxiety building before you let the you know the floor fall out from underneath you you can kind of take a step back and like get a hold of yourself And so, and it has been really good for that. And like, you know, who knows how much of it is placebo effect and how much of it is really meds, but it's helped a lot. So I'm very grateful, but yeah, we're going to do a whole episode on medication and, and sex life because it, it has, you know, put a little damper on my sex life, but things are good now. (laughs) Yeah. As long as it's helped the rest of life. I didn't mean to derail us. Oh no, no, no. We we derail (laughs) all the time here. (laughs) Um, okay. Oh. Yeah, what? what I was thinking, I was trying to think of what the question you actually asked me was, which is how did I get into a man's world? Oh, yeah. Do you want me to go back and answer that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I think that I have, we all have masculine and feminine traits, right? Mm -hmm. And we have like masculine and feminine energies within us. Yes. And I think that I have a pretty close connection to my masculine energy. Like, obviously, you can't see me, but I have short hair. Like, um, I think there were definitely a lot of years of my life where I was more. I like exp- open to exploring that mm-hmm. part of me, mm-hmm. and I also have this really like soft feminine side, and I feel mm-hmm. very connected to both of them. Mm-hmm. And so when I went and I started working with men, those connections happened just easily. Mm. Part of it is because I understand them, and part of it is because by also being really in touch with my feminine side, I yeah. think I model a better relationship. Yeah. Right? So I'm able to be a totally different woman than one that they've ever met before and in doing so I can model for them and affirm for them that whatever the beliefs that they've had about women are not necessarily true so a lot of men have this idea that women don't really like sex and that they're just kind of taking it from them which I mean that's uh, that is one of the narratives of our culture, right? Absolutely. Well, and I mean, it's it's up until the nineteen what fifties, the sixties, when with the the feminist movement, mm-hmm. that was the, like, you know, owning sex and taking sex back for the first time. Right. The sixties, like, are you kidding me? That was not that long ago at all. Right. So yeah, it's, it's very much still a part of our society and culture. Okay. Yeah. As you know, obviously. Right, and that, <laughs> and that paralyzes people, I and mean, they're terrified to approach their partners, approach mm-hmm. women that they haven't met. You know, if you think that sex is a burden that you place on someone else, right. how much freedom are you going to allow yourself to explore that yeah. openly? Yeah. It's, That's intense, yeah. yeah. Um, I actually, I dated this guy a while back, and he would make lovely dinners for me, and he was fairly chivalrous, but he would just say the most obnoxious things because his interactions with women 
he like he he thought all women were basically like greedy and you know thankless women and they just take and take and take and nothing's ever good enough for them and so it was just like it was so confusing because it took me a little bit to like really get a grip on it mm -hmm. but when I finally like nailed it down I was like fuck this and I I kind of went off on him because he was like well can't we just work this out and I was like no, no. because you do not respect women <laughs> like yeah. you have a lot to work on right you've got to work that out mm -hmm. independent of me yes it's got nothing to do with me yes. yeah you're totally right yeah and of course he you know uh, at a younger age was more overweight so he's always had self-esteem issues and it just like it's like such a common mm -hmm. story if you've never, I mean, it's like, if you have never really intentionally spent a serious amount of time reflecting on what it must be like to live outside of your own body, then you will never, ever know yes. empathy for other people. Yeah. Like, end of story. Whether it's race, religion, gender. I was speaking to a really close friend of mine recently. This is a man who I really adore, and I feel that he respects me as a person. Yeah. And... First of all, we were talking about the Me Too movement, which mm -hmm. he had like no familiarity with. Which I was like, "How do you not know about this?" I don't. Has I don't he been really living use, under a rock? Apparently, yeah. The rock of like, I don't care, male mm, privilege. Yes. Right. Like, I don't have to care. Yeah. And um, and I don't even go. I don't use social media, and I'm yeah. like inundated with this stuff just right. because it's all around me. Yeah. And as he was, you know, sharing his thoughts on Me Too, I just cut him off and was like, "Listen." It's not about you. Like, your yes. thoughts on it are totally your own, but your thoughts need to not be in reaction to this movement. Your yes. thoughts need to be, why is this so important? Why is right. this happening? Why is it that women are taking part in this? What, how can I be more curious towards the women in my own life and yeah. their own experience? I, I mean, this is really an opportunity for you to listen Absolutely. more than speak. And that is really, really hard for not just men, women also. Like, have trouble getting that. Yeah. 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 And I think that's been the, the most frustrating thing specifically, you know, just because it's a good example with the Me Too movement where it's like, it's not about you. <laughs> and that's like with the Black Lives Matter. It's not right. about it's you. It's not about you. Jesus Christ. About like, you. Just let it be about us for <laughs> yes. once. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I know. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of, um, this is a very interesting time we're living in. Mm -hmm. And I think it's like pretty fascinating because things are happening so rapidly I think we're going to see, you know, we'll be able to look back on this time and kind of pinpoint this as, like, hopefully, mm -hmm. as, like, a cultural shift and a change. Yeah. I hope. Uh, yeah, I hope so, too. And that's one of the reasons I love working with men today yeah. is because they are they are on the precipice of this cultural change. Right. Like, they are being asked to be and act and feel in ways that they have not been asked to or maybe not even been allowed to. Yeah. And actually, for what it's worth, there's a lot of, like, the, the red pill stuff out there, the men's rights movement out there. And is it called the Red Pill Movement? Yeah, like okay. in the Matrix. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I was like, I don't get it. <laughs> it's I, it's something about like seeing the real world, like, oh. seeing the world the way that it actually is. Okay, which a lot of their stuff is actually like, challengingly derogatory towards women, but it's similar to the pickup artistry, where there's some really quality things about it. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I really like about those movements uh, is that they're connecting men back with masculinity. Yeah. Right. What we have is this kind of shadowy masculinity that we see like in our government, in our politics, in the Me Too movement, right? Mm -hmm. That's all like shadow masculinity, mm -hmm. right? Man who just takes what he wants from women and never gives. 
On the other side is the like light side of masculinity, where men are leaders, where mm-hmm. they have goals, where they're directed, where they are able to um, act like you know how a father would act in a family, right. right? Like they take charge, but they guide gently. Yeah, so different. And that's like a giving position rather than a taking position, right? Yeah. And so masculinity has been kind of boiled down to either this like shadow take take take, mm-hmm. or this like softer a feminized version, yeah, right? And so there is something that men are cluing into now where they're saying like, oh, masculinity isn't dangerous in itself. It doesn't have to be toxic. Like we can reclaim the light side of masculinity and really like test ourselves and be leaders and move to our edges and do all those things that are like beautiful about masculine energy. Yeah, yeah. In a way that is actually reflective of the alignment of like the changing consciousness that's yeah. happening at this point in time so it's like it's really exciting yeah that's really nice that you brought that up because like you know with everything going on it is so easy just to focus on all of the negative and you know what you call the shadowy but like I've had plenty of men in my life that I've like looked up to and you know respected and especially now that like you know I'm in business myself you know there are people that I respect in their business practices and things like that and like that I, I want more of that yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it exists you know it's there and I think instead of you know men getting so like harped up on like oh everything's negative just like being able to focus on the positive aspects of masculinity will be it's just a breath of fresh air right yeah. yes exactly and exactly. much needed I think Right. And yeah. there's not a whole lot of great role models out there. So men are like having the opportunity to make it for themselves we in need, a new way. We need Barack back. <laughs> oh my god. Or just in the just like tweet more or right. like do something. Just, just go on a world or a, a a US tour just so we can get oh, one more glimpse of Like you. Barack and Beyonce or something. Like they could just be like back to back. She could do a song and then he could come out and just like share some of his thoughts. Oh my god. I'd love that. Like a spoken word. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but you're right. Word. He's a great example of masculinity Absolutely. in its light form, right? Yeah. The the leader, the goal oriented, like still powerful. There's, Absolutely, but not uh, not power over power to like power to create, power to build, power to make connections between people, right? And I want to work with masculine leaders, right? Like I said, I'm really connected with my feminine side. It doesn't always work for someone who's in business, as you know, right? right. When I'm really connected to my feminineness, I am not really great at my, you know, some of the some of the aspects of my business that require me to be laser focused on something, right? Um, I tend to be like more going with the flow and mm-hmm. in the like, then feeling into the movement of life and focusing on my clients and connecting them and serving them really well. Yeah. And then I need that more masculine, more masculine side to like direct me and, and help me to get from where I am today into the future into set right. goals. And so I rely on men that are tapped into that Absolutely. to help create balance for me in my business and my life. Yeah. I mean, I would say through, you know, starting the process of starting my business, it's been... I think it's been like predominantly men who have kind of been my sort of mentors, I guess, or you know, who I've taken things from. But yeah, it's all people I respect. That's interesting because my vision of the sex toy industry is that there's a lot of women, but there's I think not. they're at the the sales level. Yes. Not at the like ownership, ownership level. Ownership level, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And that's one of the, the reasons why I started this because at first I was like, I just want to be my own boss. And then I was like, I'll do lingerie. That's fun and sexy and it's fashion and sex and it's great. And then I was like, well, shit, there's not, I mean, it's a tough industry. Not sure. Yeah. And yeah, so then I was like, 
of all sex toys you can make a lot of money in. And then when I really started looking into the industry, I was like, well, this is ridiculous. I mean, there's... You can cough if you need to. No, it's... Okay. <laughs> um, uh, there's over, over 60... I think it's like 67% of consumership. And now this is like porn, toys, the whole shebang. 67% of consumership is women. Mm-hmm. But less than 50% is of uh, ownership is women. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, why, you know, why are men controlling this industry that mostly women are purchasing from? Yeah, that's so that's why I was like, you know what? I'm going to inject some femininity into this industry. Like, getting away from, like, the porny aspect of mm-hmm. it. Like, this is for everybody. This isn't for, you know, Pamela Anderson. This is right. for, like, the mom who right. has two kids at home. Like, everybody can enjoy this. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I yeah. Say it better myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So, what is a sex surrogate? Oh, interesting. Um, so, a sex surrogate is someone who usually does hands-on body work with their clients. What does um, that mean? So, they are acting as a uh, surrogate partner. Okay. So they're they're actually engaging in some level in, of physicality. Right? Okay. So they're like in, they're in the same room. There's usually some degree of physical touch, and the people who come to work with them uh-huh. more often than not are in need of um, are in need of like guidance and support in a very direct and physical way. Okay. Um, so that could be like spoon breathing. That could be kissing. That could be just lessons in anatomy, your own and mm. uh, someone else's. And there are both male and female sex surrogates. There's a lot more female sex surrogates. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't have um, the legal uh, abilities to practice mm-hmm. everywhere, which is really unfortunate. Yeah. Um, but there are people that are practicing all over. Um, and yeah, like I said, they provide a really, really critical yeah. um, skill set. Because, you know, for so so say you're a man who has had on and off relationships with women, has had sex with women, uh-huh. but something's gone like consistently wrong in yeah. those relationships. And you are feeling very incapable of connecting on a physical level with mm-hmm. your partners, right? Mm-hmm. Going to see someone who's actually holding that space for you physically can be totally transformative. Yeah. And sex surrogates work in tangent with sex therapists. Okay. Right? So these are people who are actually, like, needing um, needing help. Like, okay. Like, these, I don't want to use the term, like, ill, but these are people who need a lot of, they need a lot more support and a lot more help than someone yeah. who, I, who might come to see a coach. What did you say the difference between therapist and coach is someone who... Someone like, who treats people who are not well or who are right. ill, right? Who have like some really deep-seated and stuff that they've got to work on. And for me, I'm working with people who are in a good position and okay. know that they can get better. Okay. Right? Which isn't to say that people don't come to me who are like at the brink of divorce. Yeah. Right? But they are interested in working on the sexual aspect of their relationship. Mm-hmm. And they are committed to, uh, committed to getting better in that aspect mm-hmm. of being in a relationship to one another and having a sexual relationship with one another. Right. But I have clients who've come to me who have stunning careers, businesses, families, whatever, and their confidence is just totally shattered because they can't last for more right. than you know, seven minutes in bed or something like that. Yeah. Those people could go see a therapist and they could dig up stuff in their childhood and they could ask some really deep questions. And we do ask some deep questions. Mm-hmm. But my focus is on skill building. My focus is on re- the resources, like imbuing someone with the things that they need so that they don't ever need yeah. to come back and work with me again. Yeah. And sometimes that level of deep work isn't necessary. Mm-hmm. right? When you, 
if you know that you have something you know that you want to fix around the house, you don't necessarily bring in like a contractor right, right. or someone an engineer to check the structural integrity, right? You right. just like change the you label. Just fix it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So mine's more on that level. But the reason that that's so necessary is that sex therapists exist, right? People know mm-hmm. that sex therapists exist. They have you know, they are a brand of therapists. Like they mm-hmm. have credibility and they take insurance and all that. Yeah. But if you want to get better at sex, where would you go? Maybe to porn? Maybe you Hell read no. Please people's don't. accounts online. Like <laughs> if you go into that that if they're you know, if where you live does have a bookstore, which mm-hmm. not everywhere does. Yep. Or, you know, say you just start browsing on Amazon, where would you even begin? Oh, and also to clarify, a lot of bookstores are really just sex shops without very many books oh, at all. You yeah. know? So for someone who's like, oh, I'll just go to the adult bookstore, it's not what you think it's going to be. Right. Yeah. And even then, which book do you pick? Right. And they're, you know, range between 200 and 1,000 pages. And mm-hmm. how do you know exactly what you need to study? And- right, right. So I feel a gap that is left by our culture and our education system and the fact that we just don't talk about what sex is beyond mm-hmm. a medical model, yeah. right? We talk about like the, the physical implications of sex, but not the emotional or the spiritual ones. And we right. don't talk about how to have it or how to be in a great sexual relationship. Right, yeah. And so that's what I'm working with people on. Nice. That's really cool. I like that a lot. Yeah. I know. I think there is something on your site that said... Um, like you help people have like mind blowing sex or something. I love that. That's my goal. Yeah. Well, cause I feel like personally, I've got that down. <laughs> I know how to have mind blowing sex. <laughs> Check. <laughs> um, but I just had my first uh, live event. Like I did a in in um, in house party with toys, and one of the women there. Yeah, I think I can talk about this. <laughs> um, but one of the women there said she hadn't had sex in two years. And she, you know, will get herself off regularly, so it's not like she's in a, you know, complete dry spell. But she was like, I don't know. I mean, I'm just not interested. Like, I can just do it myself. And she's like, I feel like I can do it better anyways, which is, you know, certainly one thing that I hear a lot. Mm-hmm. But she's like, I don't know. I've just never had, like, crazy amazing sex. Maybe I haven't done it with the right person or this or that. And a couple of us just kind of like looked at each other and we're like, mm, yeah, that might be, that might be it. <laughs> might be it. Yeah. Which sucks. Yeah. Well, and so I totally agree. I think that solo sex is awesome and wonderful yeah. and beautiful and also partnered sex can be awesome mm-hmm. and wonderful and beautiful. And some people really do just have a preference. Yeah. Right. And yeah. some people, and I, I also look at people who are like, I only have partnered sex. I never yeah. have solo sex with that same question. Like maybe you could be doing it differently in a mm-hmm. way that was more mind blowing to you. Yeah. Just yeah. the same way as we say that to uh, someone who wasn't having any partnered sex. Right. Uh, well, and I could I can definitely see like both sides of the coin there because that's one thing that I always recommend to people who don't masturbate ever is I'm like, well, how do you know what you truly really mm-hmm. like? You know, if you haven't gotten to that point yourself where you know what turns you on, then you can't fully expect a partner to do that for you. I mean, they don't know. They're not your body. Right. And so, you won't be able to communicate it mm-hmm. to them. And then not just verbally communicate it to them. Yeah. Right? But like use your hands and your you know directions and your body, body language. to communicate mm-hmm. to them. Right. If you don't know what is going to work for you, then you are just taking a shot in the dark. Right. And so is this other person because right. they also don't know your body. Right. 
Yeah. 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 And, yeah. If you haven't taken the time to learn, how are they supposed to bring you to that point? Right. Because neither of you know. I always say, like, you can't give someone an orgasm. Like, if you could give someone an orgasm, yeah. like, in the <laughs> same way that you could, like, give them a cupcake, like, right. we'd all be in great shape. Oh, for sure. Be we'd be, I'd be handing out orgasms left exactly. and right. Exactly. Right? You cannot make your partner responsible for your orgasm. They can be a part of it, but an orgasm comes through a collaborative process. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Continue. <laughs> Continue on well, this. Well, it's, it's like an orgasm is earned. It takes both people, right? You can't mm-hmm. you you can't force an orgasm on someone. Like there has to be a um, a degree of well, well okay, I want to scratch that because it's people do have people do reach orgasm when they're being sexually assaulted or raped too. So that's mm-hmm. not exactly fair to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I talk to say a young woman mm-hmm. and she's just started having sex and she's never masturbated, she's never brought herself to orgasm, mm-hmm. and then she's you know wondering why it's uncomfortable and her partner's not able to like give her an orgasm, she's not hitting the right spots, right? And it's mm-hmm. like no, you you know you've got to use your muscles, you've got to squeeze, you've got to you know if you if you start to engage your core muscles mm-hmm. and your hips and mm-hmm. yeah, if you work the angles so that your clit is actually being stimulated and all of that, that is. That is collaboration. Yes. In fact, in many ways, you are doing the majority of the positioning and just Absolutely. letting your partner do the uh, the manual labor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Right. And if she doesn't know about right. what she's going to do on her end, then mm-hmm. it's going to be, you know, maybe she will never have an orgasm in partner sex. Well, I, I told this guy, so the same guy who was have, that I was dating, he was having like issues with women, because um, if I really focus, I can have a little mini orgasm just by thinking about it and so I told him that at one point which I was like isn't that cool and he was like oh well guess you don't even need me so threatened and I was like oh my god that's not what I'm saying Uh at all Uh I was like it's so not the same thing it's not about you (laughs) (laughs) I have a client who um who told me the other day that Frequently, his wife reaches orgasm after he does, like he'll uh, climax, and uh-huh. then she will squeeze down using her pelvic floor muscles and bring herself to orgasm while mm-hmm. he's still inside of her. Yeah, and he was like upset. Did he have, he have an issue that, with that he wasn't quote unquote giving it to her? Mm. Right. <laughs> Which would, would you ever say that is the opposite? Like she did, would you say that she gave you an orgasm by like right by by right. being a receptive to your penis like you would not that 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 verbiage doesn't really work like women don't really give orgasms to men that's that it's it's always the man giving Giving orgasm which i think that in itself is the issue yeah you know that it's all placed on men like you have to be the giver of the orgasm and it's like well and then we wonder why they have performance anxiety right which is by the way the majority of people who have premature ejaculation Uh or erectile dysfunction all related back to anxiety yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course. Yeah, if you start, because like the best sex is when you're not thinking. Yes. And you Out let your, your mind go. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was trying to actively think the other day. I don't know what like sparked this in me, but I was like, what do I think about during sex? And I tried to like actively think about it, and I was like, I don't think I think about anything. Like if if things are going well, mm-hmm. my mind's kind of blank. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. almost like a meditative, just like yeah. focus on the feeling and the everything, like the touch and 
Right, because it's All so immediate. Stuff. It's right here. You mm-hmm. know, it's something that you feel and that you experience and you're breathing into. And yeah, right. it totally is. It's a meditative state. If that little like voice is still active in your head yeah. and still really loud, yeah. there's things that you can do in order to tap back into your body. But that's an indication that you are in your head. And yeah. if that's the case, then pleasure is going to be harder to access. Orgasm Absolutely. is going to be harder to access. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, because then you're just, you're not present. Mm-hmm. Which... Yeah, I mean, thinking about it, like, how on earth are you supposed to reach climax if you're not present? Right, like, right. There's, like, very few things that are more present than having an orgasm in your body. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. so interesting. This is where I get into, like, my my space with um, uh, fantasy and dirty talk mm-hmm. is that... It can be it can be something that really makes you present because it starts like putting these images in your head and you're combining that with you know it's it's a, it's almost like a process of visualization, right? Mm-hmm. And that can build a lot of arousal and sensation and feel really good. Yeah. And then there's a line for me where dirty talk becomes more about like the words themselves, uh-huh. and then I start thinking too much about like the story or the narrative that I'm trying to create, and then I'm like out of my body. That's what happens to me. Yeah, because I get too like ugh, caught up. And okay, so I know. I'll, I'll bring this up, but we call Dan Savage the godfather okay. on this show. Um, and, you know, his advice is just talk about, if you have an issue with dirty talk, talk about what you want to do, what you have done, what you're going to do. Mm. Simple. Or I also like talk about what you're doing. Yeah. In that exact moment. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Which makes it so easy because I remember, like, this was back in college, and I was, like, sexting with this chick, and she was like, trying to get into like role play or whatever and it just totally killed it for me. I got like three texts in and I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> and that's combining two different things, right? Sexting and role playing. Exactly. Like. <laughs> Which I love sexting. It's so fun. Do you um, Snapchat? I don't. No. I don't. Just text. No pictures. Oh, I mean, I send pictures. Oh, yes, just pictures. Okay. Not just the not ones that disappear. <laughs> I send the ones that stay forever. Yeah, that's awesome. That I'm sure... There are tons and tons of pictures of me out there. Well, hey, no shame. And well, it's nice to know what you sent the next morning when you get a Snapchat message back and they're like, hey, nice pictures last night. And you're like, mm. Mm. I mean, it is rare that I send pictures late at night because usually by the time I get home, I'm like, I just put on sweatpants. Like, no, I'm not doing this. So that's usually not an issue. But also the way I look at it is if someone wants to like out me and this is not an invitation, please don't. Um, but like... Most of the pictures I've sent are good pictures. Yeah, so, like, right, right. I mean, yeah. If you want to put it out there, like, mm, it's not, not bad. But I'm like, not please don't for mayor. And if I was, I think that picture would speak very much to my credit. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I'd be like, damn straight. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Like, your yeah. mayor looks really good in panties. Like, <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> exactly. I know. I had um, I had an issue a while back where I was like, where I had a sex blog that was very kind of like a tell-all. It was funny. Kind of like in like the Chelsea Handler mm-hmm. type space. Um, but somebody put me up on the dirty for it. And so I was talking like mad shit and saying I was a slut. And so I was like, you know what? Fuck this. Like I've always been more of a sexual person as well. You know, you say you, you knew from a young age. And like I feel like I've always had a strong connection with that. So I was like, well, okay. Instead of shaming me for it, I'm going to fucking own it. Mm-hmm. And so I started my own sex shop. <laughs> Did you keep the blog up? No, I took it down at the time just because, like, I was trying to get normal jobs, like, mm. nine to fives, and it was creeping up pretty high on my Google search, so I was yeah, like, I'm just going to put an end to this. Uh, I have it saved somewhere. 
it's all pretty funny so I'll have to like resurrect it what's well, a difficult thing about what you and I do is that in order to be in order to like be the best that I can for my clients for the people who come into my media space right for people who land on my YouTube channel mm -hmm. I need to be transparent enough mm -hmm. that I am modeling what's possible for them yeah right because otherwise it's too easy for someone to look at either one of us and go oh they've they've like got it figured out or they've, they've yeah. been having great sex since they were teenagers or whatever right, right? and the truth is that not always been easy no it's not always been pleasurable it's you know I'm sure that both of us could recount plenty of things that we could do differently or would have done differently and mm -hmm. a lot al along the way all the lessons that we learned mm -hmm. and if we don't share that then we run the risk of people thinking that they'll never have right. a great sex life yeah no that I, I like that yeah yeah that's, that's and that is very important I know I was gonna ask you so how does being an expert affect your personal sex life like does your partner ever I don't know does he ever get weird about anything or like I don't know how does that work it's a good question um people more my partner is phenomenal wonderful um yeah. he really is he's like the reason that I started my own business because right. he had his own business because he encouraged you and it. I was like I want to have the same kind of freedom, freedom. that you have mm -hmm. and that you enjoy and I want to be able to like take off and work from Thailand if I want to right and so he was incredibly encouraging and he's phenomenal. People do ask him all the time or approach us and are like, gosh, you guys must be like super kinky or like, <laughs> can't even imagine what you two do on the weekend You're and like, all that. No. No, it's hysterically unexciting because yes. I get into the weirdest stuff. So I'm like, baby, I have this idea. I think we should eye gaze for like 30 minutes. Oh. Yeah, and then we'll take a bath. And he's like, I don't want to do that. He's like, uh, we're two minutes in and I'm done. Yeah, and I'm like, but babe, it's for research. So people think that like, I'm like, oh, let's try this. I don't know, like, I'm... I'm like I you have like a like sex swing in your ideas. closet or something. Right, exactly. Yeah. People, no, funny, Which you I hear mean, a funny story about that? Yes. So my partner has a TRX workout system. Oh, yeah. It's a it's suspension just like system. Sex stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, right, so... But it's not because you can't like put any significant. You can put your weight onto it, but there's kind of just like two straps. I don't know. It, it I, would be incredibly difficult to yeah, turn that into. Trust me, a sex I tried. Thing. There's nothing sexual about the TRX. No, because then you just start working out. Exactly. That's all. There's it is. Like, right, and there's like two like <laughs> straps that you hold onto. Like and you're like, oh god, to I work can. out. <laughs> yeah. You don't even know how to use it. You need a good workout. Exactly. Uh, but here's the thing. I didn't realize until a friend of mine comes over, a, a, a male friend comes over, grabs the TRX, and literally climbs it like from the ceiling. And he's, you know, maybe, I don't know, 170 pounds. And he's, all of his weight is hanging off the TRX. And I was like, no, no you don't. can't do that. It's going to fall. And then I'm thinking, wait a minute. What the fuck? There's been this, by the way, this is mounted at the end of our bed. I should say this. <laughs> I should have said that. I look at this and I'm like, what the actual fuck? I've had a sex swing mount that could carry my entire weight mm -hmm. sitting at the end of my bed and this did, whole time. Didn't even I just know assumed it. it couldn't take that weight. That, that weight. All of a sudden, everyone in the room turns and looks at me and they're like, are you kidding? <laughs> like, they're, they're, my friend turns to me and goes, I'm never taking sex advice from you again. <laughs> No, no, please do. <laughs> right, like, no, it's just my own life. I can't see clearly. Yes, oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, it was, that was a painful moment. Which sex wings are, have you ever used one? I have used one. I've yeah. used the kind that you put over the door. Oh, I've used one that was like, someone had like a, a loft and had a little like hook mm, in like the, the ceiling. Suspended right Yeah, a single point. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's like, I don't know. 
It was a lot of fun, but it does take a lot of core work. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like, it's not a sustainable thing. No, it sounds, it's one of those things that sounds a lot better than it actually is in practice. Absolutely. For any extended period of time. Yeah. I have been taking aerial yoga oh, on yeah. silks. And well, I could see how that could So that's help. what I have instead. I don't have a sex swing. I have a aerial silk mm-hmm. hanging from my ceiling and then it actually is like a workout. Oh yeah. You can like be creative and turn it into a sex swing. Yeah. Yeah. And also I think both partners need to be at like a similar like uh, physical fitness yeah level. athleticism yes yes yes, yes. <laughs> because uh that gets tiring very quickly uh-huh <laughs> but still totally worthy if oh, you're yeah, thinking about so it fun. try it out oh my god i was like laughing hysterically when we were doing it just because like i was literally being like swung around in circles while i'm just like hanging from this thing it was so much fun awesome. but like and then i was like okay my arms are shaking right, right put me down put me down yeah. okay so do you actually know Dan Savage? Have you met him? I have met Dan okay, Savage. Okay, you brought him to campus? I did, yeah. So how did that happen? Um, I actually did not know about him until someone recommended that we bring him to campus. Really? And okay. then he did an open Q&A mm-hmm. where people could submit questions. And I, in, in like the in essentially what was an old church part of our uh, college that. campus. Perfect. That's- very fitting. Uh-huh. <laughs> a haunted church, too. Uh, no lie. I actually saw a ghost in there. Wow. Yeah, totally a different podcast. But yeah. <laughs> um, I stacked the deck with a bunch of my own questions. And nice. in Ooh, that's hearing, brilliant. Well, it was, but I, I learned something really important about myself on that day, which was that I had some very serious judgments mm. about like, the way that other people had sex. Mm. Um, and it was, it was like a great opportunity for me to come clear, um, and to like get really clear on those things. I think that, you know, you and I and people that work in our industry, sometimes it's hard to see the forest for the trees Yeah, because we do have, everyone has deep seated beliefs, judgments, fears about sex. And I saw in that moment that some of my judgments were like that sex is for sexy people. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, uh, sex ruins things or like sex can damage relationships as well as build them up, which is true but mm-hmm. is not like necessarily the the way that I wanted to approach yeah 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 exactly so it was really that Dan Savage gave me something on that day that he didn't you know maybe those questions benefited anyone else in the room I don't know um I'm sure but I he, think all because all of the questions I've ever heard on his show have helped me whether they relate to me or not yeah something I really like about Godfather Dan is the level of um directness that he approaches some of his questions oh yeah you know for me i have and ha and i think and what would this be and i try to weigh all the options uh-huh. and he'll just kind of shoot from just the hip like, it sounds like yeah like, nope break up with them right dtmfa oh i love it i love mm-hmm. it um yeah and like one of the things that because like i'll listen while i'm um like driving back to st louis to see family and stuff and i kind of like to like play this game with myself where i listen to the question and then like I try and think of what he's going to say, mm-hmm. and more often than not, I'm wrong. About I, what he says? Yeah. Oh, so you offer I'm, different advice. Yeah, because I think about it, and then, but then it's really nice to hear his perspective, mm-hmm. and because, you know, he'll explain it, and so I'll, like, maybe think one thing where I'll be like, oh, he'll say, like, you know, ditch them, or this mm-hmm. or that, and I'll be like, he'll approach it differently, and I'm like, oh, huh. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. Okay. I like doing that with my partner mm-hmm. or with anyone actually that you're in any kind of relationship with. Listen to the question, pause it, and then discuss it. Yeah. And this works really well for people who are in relationships like watching romantic comedies or mm. watching even dramas, right? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes when it's not, again, you can't see the forest for the trees. When it's not your life, 
you can discuss it a lot more clearly and yeah. say, oh, you know, I think in this situation they really acted poorly and this would have been better right. or whatever. Uh, when you watch or when you are, like, discussing someone else, uh, it's less personal. Absolutely. Right? Yes. And, and it can give you a great insight on your own partner and their mind That's and brilliant. how they approach their life and how they approach your relationship. Right, because it's so much easier to talk about fictional characters mm -hmm. than yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's smart. I like that approach. Um, oh, that's so nice. I'm so jealous that you met Dan. <laughs> that was a long time ago. He actually snapped my bra. Did he? Yeah, we went to take a picture, and uh, I got inside of him, and then right when the right before the picture went off, he snapped my bra. So I have a picture of Dan Savage where I look absolutely shocked. Yeah. That's hilarious. I love that. And then you will... Um, so I'm going to sex camp later this year. Oh, so jealous. And have you actually met Reed? I have not. All no. Right. Um, no, I haven't. Um, but one of my very close friends. How do you say his last name? I think it's Mihalko. Mihalko. Mm -hmm. Okay. That um, seems very Hawaiian, and I just don't. I don't think that's correct at all. <laughs> he does not seem Hawaiian. But I do not know. I don't know. Um, but a very close friend of mine here, um, and, and an actual licensed certified mm -hmm. sex therapist here mm -hmm. who I um, am sharing an office space with, Marina McDaniel, uh, has been to Sex Keep Summer Camp oh. and speaks very, very highly of it. Yes. So I think you're going to have an I'm amazing so time. I'm so excited. Yeah. And I try to like keep explaining it to people, and there's no point. Mm -mm. Everybody's like, oh, what's this about? I'm like, don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm just really looking forward to the um, clothing optional areas. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to be so much fun. I can be naked in a forest. Like, what? <laughs> awesome. I was like, I'm going to be all over that, but it is Portland. So I don't it's know how Portland warm it is. Yeah. Oh, fascinating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it is July, so I don't, I don't know. I'm I not mean, familiar with how the long climate. You can be naked in the forest for a short period of time, I'm sure, and that's still true. get a ton of benefit and joy out of Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Well, you know, the Japanese have this thing called forest bathing that um, they've done studies. My mom's like all about this. Um, but they've done studies that taking walks through the forest and just like being under like leaves and things like that, it has like a significant effect on like stress and your state of like well-being. Do you have to yeah. be naked? No. Okay. No. Just walking through the woods. It's just ironic that they would call it forest bathing. Yeah, exactly. wear clothing during it. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I think most people wear clothes, but, um, yeah. Okay. So... I guess we can kind of wrap this up. So where do people find you? Uh, CaitlinV.com. Um, actually, let me correct that. Because I have two websites right now. Mm -hmm. And one of them is more for like the PE uh, crap. Okay. Um, so best website to reach me at is CaitlinVNeal.com. That's C-A-I-T-L-I-N-V as in Victor, Neal, N-E-A-L.com. Um, but you can also find me on YouTube. Hashtag Better Sex, Better Life. Nice. Uh, and yeah, that's my primary uh, area. And Perfect. if you want, anyone listening to this, I'd love to offer you a free call. Um, so a free coaching call, which you can claim on my website. Uh, or if you want to send me a message on uh, YouTube, I will give you the link to sign up for a free call with me. Yay. That's so exciting. Thank you so much for talking to us. This has been a great chat. Such a pleasure. I know we went kind of all over the map. But Doesn't matter. Those are the best talks. Time. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Oral Report. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Oral Report or email us at theoralreportpodcast at gmail.com to have your questions answered in a future episode.